Can I say we'll give it up? Won't give up that easy. Todd Miller. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you. Um, I did. I did a little bit of uh, a little bit of Facebook uh, research Re- recon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have some questions. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But what I didn't. What I. I guess I didn't realize that that you grew up here. So um, as a as an Arizona native, um, I love to dig into kind of like you know early venue memories and and some of the bands that were inspiring, but. Let's go kind of to where you come online with music. So w- was there a record in the house that was really inspiring? You know, whether, you know, on, if you have siblings, they introduced new music to you. But what was the moment or, or an early musical memory where you're like, what is that exactly? That was pretty much my entire youth, actually, because my dad was in a band um, in a pretty popular one um they got signed by columbia and united artists holy shit they cut a couple records um so there wasn't a minute in my early life where i wasn't exposed to music basically mm-hmm. growing up what, uh, what was his instrument my dad actually played the trumpet he played piano and a couple of things too but he um he full-on started his band they started out as a tijuana brass type of thing mm-hmm. and they turned it into a uh horn chicago-ish type of thing mm-hmm. um, for transitioning later on and then eventually got killed by disco like mm. a lot of the bands did back then hmm. but um yeah there has never been a moment in my life where i haven't been kind of surrounded by music mm-hmm. folks split pretty young when i was about two or i think about two years old um my mom remarried pretty quickly um to a fantastic man who basically raised me since i was about four um, but they always had Stevie Wonder records. They were <clears throat> hippies, should we say? So there was always John Denver and Stevie Wonder, and it was, it hmm. was back then. There wasn't so much distinction between the genres. Mm-hmm. It was Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and all that type of stuff. In fact, that record right there, Deja Vu, was a constant on the uh, hmm. on the uh, turntable for a big part of my life. Yeah, songs in the key of life, like all of this stuff. I grew up with just there's never been a moment in my life where there hasn't I haven't been surrounded by music so and and it sounds like pretty diverse I mean John Denver to Stevie Wonder there's a lot in in between those two artists yeah but yeah like you said back then um, there wasn't as much diversity there wasn't as much distinction between the genres Mm -hmm. like I distinctly remember in like fourth fifth grade listening to KUPD at the time and hearing um Everything from I really want to see you tonight, mm-hmm. Dan and John Ford Coley, and then the next song would be Billy Joel, but then the next song would be um, like I want to say ACDC or something. Like that's an, that, they that's had an interesting it, distinction, right? That the radio they it, segmented, right? Like it's it's like media does these days. It's like mm-hmm. the news stations. Like the, there wasn't always so much division between the news stations. It's, it's become a thing now that people have realized that if you want to maximize your profits, you diversify your markets. Hmm. So mm-hmm. back then, they just threw everything on the radio. Mm-hmm. And if it was popular, people liked it, they played it. Yeah. Um, you could hear all types of music on one station. Right. But now we have our country stations and our 
Right. I will say that the only distinction was country. There wasn't like right. there was the country stations and then there was the pop stations. Right. There wasn't but there wasn't like alternative station and rock station and oldie station. Like back then it was just Yeah. Pop, Everything pop goes. Potluck. And yeah. if and if it was popular, they then played. it was played. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So did you go to like your dad's gigs? Like what like all the time? No kidding. There was no um from the time I was old enough to walk there was almost a had to at that point because there wasn't a whole lot of money back then so a lot of times i'd go when my folks split my dad moved to boston no shit and my mom stayed here so i did most almost all most of my time here i did of course school years here but then every once in a while for a summer i'd be back in massachusetts and my dad didn't have babysitters or didn't want to leave me with his girlfriend at the time or whatever it right, was and right. so he'd bring me to the bar and i wanted to go i'd bug him to go so yeah Four years old, he'd be playing a set till midnight, one o'clock. He'd bring me to the bar and sit me at the end of the bar and tell the give the tip the bartender twenty bucks and go keep the Shirley Temples coming. Uh-huh, <laughs> right, right. So I'd sit there all night long at the end of the bar and watch my dad play and huh. yeah. and, and it was fun for me because my dad led the band. He was huh. he was the leader of the band, so there was always the I got to watch him actually direct everything and kind of do his thing so it was fascinating do you know any of his kind of musical influences like because it sounds like you know that that kind of like it's almost like big band like the horn section is kind of gone from popular music unfortunately yeah unfortunately but i wonder do you know anything about like what was inspiring to him and what led him down this journey was he classically trained did he go to school for it or you know he was, um, it's an interesting question because he, I asked him one time because I didn't actually get into music playing and singing until I was almost 30 years old. Hmm. Um, I didn't pick up, a, I didn't buy a guitar until I was 26, 27. Um, and I asked him one time, I said, why didn't you push me to hmm. get into music at an earlier time? You loved it so much. Why didn't you set me on that path too? He said, to tell you the truth, it's because how much I hated it when my parents um, absolutely made me. I had piano lessons three days a week, every day for, you know, for two hours a day, here to here. And I wanted to be outside playing. Hmm. He said, I didn't force it on you because I wanted you to come and do it on your own. Hmm. And I didn't want you to resent me the way at the time that I resented my parents. Hmm. And I said, yeah, but aren't you thankful that they did it right. now? Right. Looking back. He's like, yeah, I didn't think that far ahead. See, I'm like, damn it, man. So I could have been so much better. Uh, so, so you didn't do like school band or anything like nothing, that? Nothing. I mean, I always sang, like I was mm. singing in the driving down the road or in the shower, singing along to whatever. I've always loved music. Like I've always been enraptured by every aspect of it, but I never played an instrument or, any of that type didn't play band or anything until I was about 26 years old and I was in college for the second time um, getting my second undergrad degree and I hang out with a buddy of mine and noticed um, every time he played guitar he had a had a lot of people around him including some attractive females occasionally <laughs> so hey man <laughs> Was, Why don't you show was, me how to yeah, play? Let's go on, Can man. you teach me those four chords? <laughs> G, E minor, D, and C. That's, that's all you got to know. That's all you need. Just move the capo around right. and you'll get whatever you want. <laughs> 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 so 
So that's where it started. So, but, but so what occupied your time then as a, as a teen or, or early college? Like, what, what, what did you go to college for? Where did you do that? I was an athlete, actually. Mm-hmm. I played a lot of baseball mm-hmm. um, when I was young. And when I got into um, high school, um, I was a pretty avid wrestler. Mm. Um, I got a scholarship to a, a small college in Kansas, along with five of my best friends. Um, that's a whole nother podcast in itself. Um, but yeah, I was pretty much a jock, and uh, that probably ate up most of it, baseball mm-hmm. and wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so two undergrad degrees? and Two undergrads and a master's. Yeah. All right, so usually this this portion of the podcast takes up a little bit more time, but we let's advance to being twenty six, okay, and 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 getting and getting that guitar and learning those chords. What what was the you know? Did you start gigging immediately? Did you start writing? Like, what was that process? I had the intention to gig immediately because I, w- I knew my three chords and I wanted to get out there and show people I knew my three chords. Um, I'd always been able to sing, right? In fact, yeah. some of the first gigs were me just singing while my friend played guitar. In, um, here in town? No, this oh. is in Flagstaff. I was at NAU at the time. Okay, gotcha. I was at going to NAU for one of my second undergrad. Um, one of my really good friends, Dave Bolton, um, great, fantastic player. Um, he's the one who kind of introduced me to everything. Um, but the, it was interesting because of my diverse background growing up that we kind of talked about. I always wanted to, we, we would go to play a gig and I'd be like, hey man, let's do some Crosby, Stills, and Nash or some John Denver. And of course, everybody else wanted to hear no diggity or something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it wasn't in my wheelhouse quite yet. <laughs> I grew up listening to my favorite action music growing up was always like Stevie Wonder and, and Old Soul and that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, which doesn't lend itself to an acoustic guitar right. very well when you're just learning. Anyways, right. there's some really cool versions that people can do of some of that stuff, but I wasn't ready for that yet. So it was an interesting time. It was, um, it turned into a lot of Billy Joel and um, your favorite song, American Pie. Mm, love that, it. That was always the one mm, that we played mm, at the mm, end of the night that right. set the world on fire. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, wasn't necessarily my favorite songs, but, you know, at that time I was, people were buying me shots and I was getting... 50 bucks a gig which uh, right when back in college in the 1980s that was uh that, that was enough to that set was enough. You for the week yeah 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 <laughs> bought you groceries and some beers and top, what else do you need <laughs> top ramen yeah a couple, couple six packs and I'll yep. see you next friday I'll see you next friday <laughs> apparently i'm gonna live through the next week <laughs> so all right so when do you make your way down to phoenix well, after the at the end of that second time, I graduated the second time in '98. Hmm. Um, there was a really big band here in town called Mugion. I don't hmm. know if you're familiar with them. Mm-mm. Anybody who's in the country scene knows Mugion. They're they were one of Arizona's biggest bands, probably Arizona's absolute biggest band. Did they far. play Lucky's? I feel like I've heard. I've heard of that band, but I don't. I know they played Lucky's a couple times, but yeah. not not what they were known for. Okay. They were they were a big. They were a they were a very popular country band. They, they, when the re, way I met them was, they used to play the what the place called the Zoo Club, the Museum Club up in Flagstaff. So this is a, this is a long segue. So 
my current bass player in my yacht rock band, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, yeah. was in the band Mogion. Mm. At that time, he quit Mogion to go back to school. Mogion is a fantastic band, but he decided to go a separate way. And um, when I graduated school, he and I were hanging out playing guitar one night. I'm like, we should make a band or something. He's like, well, and then one of the nights coming up very soon after that, uh, Mogion was playing at the museum club. Dave was still in the band. He has, wasn't quite out. He gave his two weeks notice or whatever it was. And I met his brother. His brother's name is Dean. So Dean and I meet each other. We're having a beer. And we're walking across to go to the zoo club because they were at the hotel next door. Irrelevant information. <laughs> I was walking across the parking lot to go to the museum club with Dean. And, and, he, and he said, I said, hey, Todd Miller. He's like, oh, Dean Miller. He's like, it'd be really weird if you... No, <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. He said, whoa, Todd's my middle name. Oh, shit. So, so his middle name is Todd. So Dean Todd Miller. And I told, lied and told him mine was Todd Dean Miller. But <laughs> blew his mind for a second. <laughs> Anyways, Dean was in his own little band at the time. Um, I forget the name of the band. Deliverance, I believe it was. Yeah, country, they had their own little country thing going on. Huh. Um, but they were on the way out. So... Dean and Dave and I decided to start this band, and we played the band Mogion used to host this um, fundraiser in Heber Overgard, where they're from, every year. That was our first gig, and it was we were so excited and had a great time. And then we came back down to Phoenix. I got my engineering job, and we started to go with that. So we had to come up with a band name. So the band name, <laughs> I don't remember. Don't ask me where we came up with it, but the band name was Who's Your Daddy. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so the worst part about that is, you're trying to be a man to make a lot of money, including corporate events and that type of thing. Right. And um, you tell people, yeah, the name of our band is Who's Your Daddy. So imagine what they got when they went home and typed into their web browser. Right. Who's your daddy? Right. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't your website? It wasn't our website. <laughs> our website was whosyourdaddyband.com. Oh, see, that's, a, that's, a, a, that's important information to know yeah. before you start Googling who's your daddy. It was, in, in retrospect, that was a, that was a poor choice. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> so, so you moved. Anyways, two of my best friends <laughs> to this day, and both those guys, we currently have a new project, a yacht rock band called mm. Dirty Yachtin' Scoundrels. Love it. Yeah. So, anyways, great guys. So, I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, but that was the origination of my introduction into playing music for an audience. Got you. Yeah. And then, so then you move, everyone moves down to Phoenix and, and, and takes Dave, a swing? Dave and Dean was, were already down here. I see. I moved down from Flagstaff. Got you. Got my engineering job. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's where it all started. And, and what were some of those early gigs like? Chaos. Yeah. As a trio? No, we were oh. four-piece. Okay. We had a drummer, too. Okay. We went through about... We were Spinal Tap for a while. We went through quite a few of them. Um, but, yeah, no, we had, a, <laughs> we had a really good following for a while. We had a we had a great time, and we were... See, back then, we were playing at Enchiladas. Am I close enough to the microphone? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I okay. mean, the closer, the better. But we were doing... Back then, there was... It was Enchiladas back when the... Um, Friday nights there were off, off the hook. Were the best things in town. Mm. Um, 
we were doing a lot of just kind of any gigs we could find type of thing, a lot of private parties, that type of thing. Late 90s, early 2000s, you said? Early, late, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So just started to become a working band and, and yeah. writing your own stuff or just strictly covers or? We, I think we took a couple stabs at writing our own stuff, but um, I'm not sure that we did a very good job of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all had some stuff of our own, that, uh, but we just were having more fun playing as a, as a bar band now, at the be time. Being in, being in Flagstaff in the 90s, you must have, obviously you, you were, everyone in the country was aware of what was happening in Tempe at that time. Huge. And yeah. would you come down and check out bands? All like, the time. Yeah. Nita's Hideaway, Long Longs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big fans of, back then, the refreshments and, mm -hmm. and Dead Hot Workshop and, and all. Yeah. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So into that scene quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely an amazing time in Tempe. It's kind of sad that it's gone away. Yeah. Because it's, um, I remember when Nita's closed, actually. That was that was a really sad day, mm -hmm. <laughs> actually. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, they moved, right, from, from their original location to a new location, and shortly thereafter... It didn't last. Didn't last. Because it's just the magic mm. location was part of it, right? Mm -hmm. It was... Where was the original location? It was in Tempe on... Boy, if you got me drunk and dropped me in the middle of Mill Avenue, I could get there. You could but, walk there. <laughs> You're like, hold on, turn over here. Yeah, yeah. I could put a blindfold on and get there, but right, I don't right. remember exactly the streets. Yeah. Where so it was, it was right. and then it, and then it moved to this other location, and and that's right around the time that I moved to Arizona. So about 20 years ago. I remember hearing about Nita's and the, the magic of Nita's and Long Wong's, obviously, and, yep. and, and Bash on Ash and Sailin. And they were such it. a fucking scene, man. It was. It was fantastic. And, and people making original music, too. So it wasn't just, you know, and nothing, whatever, man, nothing against cover music. That's a big part of my livelihood, too. But original music. Yep. In, and, and in good, a college town. And good original music. Right. Gin Blossoms. Right. Roger Klein. It's, yeah. Yeah. So. It sounds like you had you had a day gig, and and would do this on the weekends, and you know, we weren't good enough to make money to do it at, for a living. Really, <laughs> quite quite yet. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should say I wasn't. I should say I wasn't. <laughs> but like I said, I'd only started playing about two years before this. So. Yeah. And so in that band, you're doing acoustic guitar and vocals. Yep. Or, yeah. Yep. Yep. Same thing I'm doing now. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we had a good time. And if you, you want to, the transition from this logically is um, how I got hooked up with Ethan Newman. Yeah. If you want to move into that. Let's do that. Okay. Um, Dave Miller, about the time that he decided to take on more college classes and get into it full time, was the bass player in Who's Your Daddy? Mm -hmm. um, and he, <laughs> I know it makes everybody laugh, makes me laugh. <laughs> He just said one day, he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I'm in college. I got all these things going on. I can't do it. So um, we started a search for a new bass player. And I called a really good friend of mine, a guy named Teddy Dekina, who plays in a fantastic country band here in town called Young Country. Yeah, yeah. Um, I called Teddy and I said, hey, Teddy, um, keep yours open for me. I need a bass player, and I know you know bass players, so yeah. keep your ears open for me. He said, well, what are you looking for? And 
It's funny. Back at the time, <laughs> Ethan used to laugh about this. He used to bring it up every time we got drunk. He's like, I told him, I said, well, um, I just need somebody who's, you know, young, <laughs> likes to have fun, <laughs> might help us get dates with girls or something. You know? Nothing about musicality. Yeah, I couldn't care. Nothing less. about genre of we music. Don't no. care. Yeah, we'll yeah. play anything. Because at the time, we were playing everything. Yeah. And it's still at that point, to me, it was just still like fun. I was just, I wasn't as much into the musicality of it as I was. The scene. I'm, the hang. I'm, I'm an engineer by day, and at night is my, Friday and Saturday nights are my nights to just go crazy. Yeah. Um. So he's like, he said, I got the perfect guy for you. And that is kind of a perfect description. It's, you know. who, who's, the, I'm like, who's the guy that just laughs, smiles on yeah. stage, yeah. will play any song you want, yeah. and will help us attract um, fans? Right, right. I got the perfect guy for you. That's so funny. He gave me Ethan's phone number, and uh, I went to see Ethan play with, I think it was Zoe Bowie, I think is who he's playing with, or whatever they were called at the time. Zoe Bowie and Amanda Starr or something like that. Went to to see him play down at Club Rio. And uh, he was wearing this blue silk suede shirt. I can still, it was 25 years ago and I can still see it in my head. Unbuttoned down to his belly button and sweat flying everywhere. And and I'm like, yep, that's That's the the guy. guy. (laughs) That's the guy. That's funny. So he, he got a kick. He gave it on break, and we I t- t- talked to him earlier and told him I was coming. And he's like, he, to the day to the day that he was gone, he was like, man, the funniest thing I ever heard in my life was like, he's like, all right, so you, you're gonna be you're gonna be right. You can hang out, you can play, and you can be fun for girls, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was. That's that, was, funny. that was still, even when the band started to turn serious, like he was, oh my God, that guy was something else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you tell me what direction you want to go from there. So he, so he joined Who's Your Daddy? Yep. Okay. He was the bass player in Who's Your Daddy for a couple of years until Who's Your Daddy split up. Um, yeah, kind of split up, was kind of forced to split up. It was, that's a whole nother story too, but... um. Uh, at the time, Alan Chadwick. I'm not sure if you remember Alan Chadwick or not, Mm-mm. if you ever knew him. Mm-mm. Alan Chadwick was the lead guitar player for the Chadwicks. And he's an amazing musician. Absolutely incredible guitar player. Um, the kind that you just sit there and he looks effortless. Mm-hmm. He just absolutely 100%. Like how, how is he getting those sounds out of that instrument? I know that instrument. Yeah. But exactly. how do you get that? And, like, and not even look like he's trying. Mm-hmm. Fantastic guy and fantastic musician. Um, he had left the Chadwicks. They kept his name, <laughs> which was fine. Right, right. That's what they're known for, right? They got to keep the name. But he decided he wanted to move on, so he left the Chadwicks. And about the time that we were kind of forced to break up Who's Your Daddy, Alan Chadwick became available. So we talked to Alan and said, hey, do you want to be the guitar player in this band? And he said, uh, I don't know, let's do a couple gigs and find it out. And he said, by the way, I got this guy that I have played on my last record, a guy named Tony King. Hmm. Hmm. Love to have Tony King be part of the band if we're going to do this. Hmm. So eventually, 
long story short, it became me and Ethan and Tony and Alan, hmm. or more importantly, me and Alan and Tony and Ethan, which is where the band Tate came from. Mm. I do vaguely remember that name. Yeah. As a, as a new person to Arizona. Tate. Yeah. So Todd, Todd, Alan, Tony, and Ethan, or if you ask Tony, Tony, Alan, right, Todd, right. Ethan. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> So and, that's and how that came from. And so yeah. and so many bands, as you say, like sprung out of of combinations of those players. And I mean, talk about like uh, a musical family tree in Arizona. You're on a bunch of those branches. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm not sure I deserve to be, but I I've been lucky <laughs> enough. I've been lucky enough to be there for sure. Yeah. But I've I've seen. So many, I've been lucky enough to see so many incredible bands form and break up and so ever, but right and been involved in in introducing people and and whatever it's but it's uh I've kind of been the the guy that that's maybe shouldn't have been there but just happened to be there all the time. So, well, <laughs> you know, there, there's something to be said for just showing up and 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 if the hang is good and the music is fun, yeah, like. You don't really have to go much farther than that. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's, um, yeah, for sure. That's pretty much it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's, there's, of course, every band has its days. The, the Tate thing it went on for quite a few years, and we had some great success and had a lot of time. Um, and that one didn't end as great as it could have been. Mm. Um, but it was, um, I'm transitioned out and um, it was kind of uh, like a, just a thing. We just kind of mm-hmm. went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then and what, what kind of gigs were you doing? Was it same kind of like kind of bar gigs or bar gigs at the time mm-hmm. we were starting to do, we were just then starting to do a lot of transition into weddings and corporates up until that point. Um, I hadn't been introduced to the corporate or the wedding world yet mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we were just having too much fun playing in the bars. That's what right. we wanted to do, right? right? We wanted to play all the popular bars in town. We wanted to stay out till four o'clock in the morning. There's always post parties after the gig. Right. Even if the gig was on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. there was always a, always a party at Ethan's house. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. So everybody ended up there till the daylight came around and we... Stagger um, home. Stagger home. Um, and you're still holding down an engineering job during the day? Uh, nah, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> how do you do? I mean, I'm tired just thinking uh, about it. I've, I work for I work for a contracting company now, and I can't if I don't, if I'm not if I don't get seven hours, I'm right. worthless. Right. Back then, it was I'd get two hours of sleep, uh, stumble, stumble, stumble into work, uh, half cocked, right, and right. still be on the phone with clients. Oh um, my god! Yeah. And when did you and Ethan start doing like the open mic stuff and the duo stuff? Yeah, that's a that's a great story too. Well, um, I, can't, I don't remember what year it was, honestly, but it was um, Enchiladas, mm-hmm. which back at the time was the best place in town to be on a Friday night. Is that the joint like Scottsdale and and uh, is it like just south of Old Town, or am I thinking of something different? No, Enchiladas is a bar that's been around for hundred years. Uh-huh. Um, and this was back in those days, it was the absolute chaos on Friday night. They had the oh. best Cinco de Mayo party for mm. tens of years. Mm. But it's on, um, it's still a great bar. It's still a fantastic place. But it's 
Like Indian school in like 40th? No. Nope. What am I thinking? Do you want of? to keep guessing? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep <laughs> talking about intersections. <laughs> Jesus. It's actually about um, 16th Street and Northern. 16th Street and Northern, about okay. there. It's on Dreamy Draw. Okay. Um, there's two of them, actually. There's one in South Phoenix on like Baseline and I 10. Okay. That's not the one. Okay. That one's not associated. But the 16th. one that's on 16th Street and Northern, yeah. around Dreamy Draw and like Morton, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, was every band wanted to play there huh. back then. So um, it was a fantastic place to play. It was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the great part was it was 7 to 11. So you're done by 11. Right. It gave you time to party. Still had time to party. Still had actually to go down. We used to scream down the road to go see Crystal and Sturgis or something. Uh-huh. Rosie's. Uh-huh. You know, like, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was still, it was a ton of fun. <laughs> um. So... The, the duo with Ethan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got sidetracked. It's all good. Um, so we, the full band was playing there quite a bit. And the manager at the time, a guy by the name of Marty, came to us and said, Hey, Jimmy Buffett's in town. Um, we want to do music on the Davis party. We have buses that are going to come pick up people from here and take them to the show. Mm-hmm. He's like, can you guys do like a two-man acoustic thing and do some Jimmy Buffett stuff before the show? And we went, sure, absolutely. Yeah. And then he went away and we went, Oh shit, we gotta what, learn some Jimmy yeah, Buffett. What songs do you know? None. What about you? I don't know any. I know Margaritaville. That's about it. So that was our very first gig ever as a two man show. Was, yeah. Um, we sat down and we played for this massive group of people on the patio. And I'm not going to say it went great. Like uh-huh. we, we, I take that back. It went great because the crowd loved it. But we, you know, we yeah. tried to learn 10 Jimmy Buffett songs in six days. And right. It was, um, did you learn a, pi- a Pirate Looks at 40? We did. And I like that song. That one almost brings a tear to my eye because um, that was for the 20 years that Ethan and I played together. That was the song that we started hmm. every duo show with. Hmm. We pretty much started that almost, I'd say 95% of the shows we ever played, we started started with Paradox wow. of 40. Wow. And I still start every gig that I do to this day with that song. No kidding. Yep. Every gig. And I remember the first gig I did after he died, um, some friends of ours came to see me um, to support me, knowing that yeah. it's going to be kind of tough. And they showed up and and I started to play it. And they were big fans of Ethan's too. And I broke down yeah. in tears and... I had to stop in the middle of the song. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. And put the guitar down, and I had to take a walk for about 10 minutes. And yeah. so it was, uh, but it was cool. Everybody, yeah. when I came back, everybody was like, you're good. You're good. We're okay yeah. with us. Get back yeah. on stage. But yeah. still to this day, and I don't know if it's in his honor, but I think it kind of is. You know, yeah. It's just, for us, it was always like a good warm-up song. Right. There, there's a little bit of harmony in there. Yeah. There's a little bit of finger-picking. There's right. a little bit of... Nuance that, yeah. that needs to happen. See? Arg. Mother, Mother Ocean, I have heard you call. Wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all. You've seen it all 
Watch the man who rode you Switch from sail to steam In your belly you can hold the treasures you have ever seen most of them dream most of them dream you know and I, I don't necessarily c- celebrate Jimmy Buffett's entire catalog but yes, for my money it's like the least Jimmy Buffett Jimmy Buffett song there's a couple of them really well, yeah he's people dismiss him a lot because he's just kind of fins to the left and everybody right. knows the chaos of his shows and they dismiss the musicianship of it but if you listen to some of his stuff there's some really good intricate you know like especially the the words especially mm-hmm. the the vocal I won't say the vocals especially the lyrics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's there's quite a few that, that you can listen to and go damn that's deep right <laughs> well it, it, yeah i mean I would say it's closer to a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. No real changes, right? I mean, it's super, it's like kind of formulaic. It never, it just, it's like a, it's a poem more so than like a pop tune. Obviously it's not, right. it's not cheeseburgers in paradise and, you know, but it's, it's, it is a little deeper and it's like cast but, taking a critical look at his life and, and weaving this really interesting story. And, it's introspective. Mm-hmm. It's very... Um, right, and then he did the he did the great marketing thing where he just did, started to do his pirate looks before he released the book. Hmm. And then he, um, hmm. but then he would do something totally out of character. Like um, it was on the greatest hits record, but I can't remember the name of the song. Now they make movies and all black and white, happy and in. Wish I had a pencil thin mustache. Oh, so, sure. That so, was him? And it was jazzy. It was like all these weird jazz chords and stuff. Huh. You're like, wait. Yeah. You just went from Margaritaville, yeah. three chord, nothing, to right. this cool little intricate finger picking. Huh. Like, like, so it was, yeah. So it was, Buffett's, Buffett's better than people think he is. He's sneaky. He, he's sneaky. It'll, yeah. He's got some, he's got some songs that you go, wait. Yeah. So... Well, and I, and I, you know, Jay is a dear friend of ours and, and he was on the podcast and, and told the story of how <clears throat> you and Ethan really inspired him to do his thing. And, and you shared some stories about him starting up and when he moved to Costa Rica and yeah, I mean, it, 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 it sounds like, you know, as you look back on, on your career and, and, and the bands that you've been in and what came out of those bands and the connections that you have been making. I mean, you know, Jay Allen, um, great singer songwriter and, and someone who understands the business works his ass off and makes great music. And, and could you share that your perspective on, on meeting him for the first time? Oh man. So Ethan and I, so we transitioned from our, not so fantastic first time playing um, enchiladas for the Jimmy Buffett show, but we did that show and we actually had a, we had so much fun doing it. I wouldn't say we did. Did, did, we did, did the he best. go to guitar or, or for he, that, or did he, he still play bass? Ethan did both. He he always did throughout our years. He'd play guitar on some things and, and bass on some. Um, but we had a fun. Like no matter what anybody else did that day, like we knew we weren't great musically but we people liked it and we had a blast yeah wouldn't um, you wouldn't you say though that the that, that chemistry between two people um trumps like 
individual musicality. You know what I'm like? If if the energy is right, the tunes are right. You guys are having fun. That's almost more infectious than that's some guy well, up there shredding and the killing singer. You know what that's, I mean? That's that's the complete ex one hundred percent explanation for why we were so successful. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Ethan is was always from the minute I met him one hundred million times better musician than I was. Hmm. And there were numerous times where we'd learn a song and I'd be like, wait, what the hell is that? What are you playing there? It's a D, Todd. No, <laughs> it's a D major. It's a D major. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm not exaggerating that much. Wait, what's that? He's like, that's called an F sharp. Oh, okay. Oh, I got to play sharps now? What the hell? Fuck. <laughs> is it in between the dots or is it on the dots? Wait. Um... So, but the magic that we always had with our, with our show was just how much we played off each other and mm -hmm. the comic and the, mm -hmm. and we would bring each other to tears. Like there were times where we would fall off, not from being drunk, although that happened too. <laughs> we would just crack each other up so much that we would f literally fall off our stools and the crowd would just be looking at us like, what is the matter with you guys? But they'd get along, they'd get into it too. They'd be right. like, oh my God, what are these guys doing? Laughter so, is laughter is infectious. It's infectious. It, it, if you see people having fun, I want to know what they're doing, yep. and I'm going to pay attention because I want to have that much fun. And people would come to us. They'd be like, hey, play this song. We'd be like, I have no idea how to play that song. <laughs> Do you want us to try it? And then we would try it. And oh we, we'd, we'd butcher the hell out of it. But then Ethan would kick on and start making up words because we don't know the words. And Ethan right. would make something up like, my dog fell in a ditch and like what whatever it was and it sounds like you, you hit it's obviously like the the smothers brothers it's like oh, yeah. a comedy musical that's basically it's a it show it's it's yeah it became a show for us and we but there were also magical moments of musicianship too mm -hmm. there were ones where I'd, like when i started to get a little better and i'd actually learned what a F sharp minor was. Oh, I gotta lift that pinky. Okay, right. I got that part. Um, there were actually some musical moments that were fantastic. Where towards the end, it started to actually become the comedy show mixed with actual musicianship, and mm -hmm. that's when it got magical. Right. That's when it got. That's dangerous. That's when it got really, really good, and that's when we started to get booked all over town. Yeah. That's when we had more work thrown on us, and we we were literally at one point. For about two to three years, Ethan and I were playing four gigs a week, every week. Yeah, together. Yeah, doing because the we have, at that point we we're at separate bands, um, so the full bands were playing on Fridays and Saturdays. But he and I were playing Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, sometimes Mondays. Yeah, no, every Sunday. Jesus, um, we were playing four times a week together, and that's when it just went kind of. That's when it took off, and it was mm -hmm. it was a magical time for us. Mm -hmm. So, what what year roughly? I mean, are we in the mid? Are we two thousand three, four, five? Mm -hmm. I want to say. Mm -hmm. And but then it went on for even up till he basically passed away. We were still doing some gigs together occasionally. Mm. Um, I would say it dropped off. We went from doing a four to five gigs a week together to. Only a couple, maybe one gig a week or a couple times a month. Mm. Um, when I got married, I had kids. Mm. It was harder for us to do those kind of things so much every week. Yeah. 
um, he was on the other side of town, and then he got pretty involved with some other bands, and it was just we didn't have as much time as we could, but mm-hmm. we were always each other's first call when mm-hmm. it was time to hey need a fill in. So Ethan mm-hmm. filled in with the Walkins, the current band, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Hey there, I am Boomer. And I'm Pixie Ola. Our podcast, Service Entrance People, is for and about the gritty, underpaid, underprivileged service industry workers of the world. Unite! Day in and day out, we walk through the parking lot of broken dreams. So if you're interested in listening and sharing in the war stories of the, the industry, and if you're curious as to what us, the help, are really thinking, we are going to educate you with stories of the strange, shocking, and hilarious, because Laughing is the only way that we can think to even try to get our ways through each day. <laughs> this industry is one that we absolutely, truly love. And although you'll hear horror stories and rants and bitching that we have to work at work because that's the kind of petty betty that we are, we kid because we care. You can find Service Entrance People on all major platforms as well as YouTube and would like to say thank you for tuning into my friend Brian Chartrand and the So The Story Goes podcast. I've known him for longer than he or I would admit. And yes, he is that cool in real life. I, I realized I, I cut you off. You were going to share your perspective on, on Jay Allen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. This, this is what happens. We go down rabbit holes <laughs> and 15 minutes later, yeah. Um, so that transitioned into us doing a lot of duo acoustic gigs. And one of them was uh, we hosted a mic night at this place, great bar called Jilly's in the Scottsdale Air Park. I don't know if you were here by then or mm-hmm. not. Mm. I don't think so. I never went to Jilly's. Jilly's was in uh, basically over there where um, Kierland is now. Okay. Basically in Kierland. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of things since then. I don't know what it is now. Um, But we hosted a mic night there. One night we hosted a mic night and this big, tall, lanky guy comes walking in. Smiley. Smiley, just looking like he loves the world. Right, right. Walks in the door and introduces himself, signs up for the mic night and... (laughs) He plays and he's he's great. I mean, and it, oh man, that place had some bad players. Oh, Chili's had some really bad players. So we sat him down. We went on a break. We went and tackled him. We're like, get up here at the bar, and we bought him some shots. We're like, you're coming back every week because we're trying to make the open mic night better. Right. He's like, nope, I'm not. I'm moving to Costa Rica next week. Yeah. <laughs> we went, fucker, son of a bitch, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> So he took off, went to Costa Rica. Um, luckily, hated Costa Rica. I don't think he hates Costa Rica. I think he hated the reason he went there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. And, and right. he came back. And he came back into the uh, open mic night again. So we were reunited. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the birth of our relationship with Jay Allen. He started showing up at open mic nights. And yeah, they started getting his own gigs and started. Him and then and exactly started Delcoa. Everything and, transitioned from there. Yeah, the Ashley who was Ashley Norton who was yeah. part of Delcoa. Yeah, um, also originated out of there. One night when Jay had come into play, um, this girl Ashley shows up with her boyfriend at the time, and her boyfriend walks up to us and says, "Hey, my girlfriend sings." Can you guys get her to sing something? We're like, well, yeah, here's the song list. Right. Have her pick something, come up. So she got up and sang with us and had a great time. Um, and then Jay got up and played, and then they kind of started talking. And then, so then from there, she started coming back every once in a while. She broke up with her boyfriend. 
<laughs> she yeah. started coming back every one. And then that started Jay and Ash. Right, right. So there was Jay and Ash before it was Delco. Delco, so right. Jay and Ash started their thing. And they did their thing. And then they started, they wanted to write originals and start doing more and more. And then mm. that transitioned into Delcoa with mm-hmm. Jay and Ash and Ethan. And Tony. Tony. Mm. And then later on, Jay Poole. Right. So um, that's where that kind of originated. Out of. I but feel we, like Jay has been in every band ever in Arizona. Every band that's ever existed, Jay at one point in time. Has, Jay Poole or Jay, Jay Allen? Jay Allen. Oh, Jay Allen. Has been a part of <laughs> it on some level. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's just one of those guys. Shows up. Plays. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he looks familiar. Aren't you in like a thousand other bands? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so you 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 get married. You you do the family thing, and you're still holding down a day gig, yep. and you're having a ball with Ethan, and you're and you're playing music a number of nights a week. Um, Actually, by that time, I was done with the day gig. Oh, okay. I, I didn't get married till much later. Ethan and I were. As always, with everything, Ethan is 100% in the center of my universe um, and vice versa. That's how I actually met my wife, hmm. was Ethan and I were hosting an open mic night at Kokomo Joe's. Hmm. Were you here when Kokomo Joe's was open? Sounds familiar. I don't know. Tatum and Dynamite. Great bar. Hmm. Used to be a great bar. Um, but Ethan and I were hosting an open mic night, and we were standing there one night, and it was a particularly slow um, Wednesday or Thursday night. I can't remember what night it was. Wasn't very many people in the bar. It was pretty damn dead. Huh. And we were basically drunk and playing to nobody. <laughs> and we just kept... Which is the title of my next record, by the way. Drunk and playing to nobody. Yes. Oh, man. The night. <laughs> so we're sitting there on our stools and we're playing. And we're barely like even paying attention because there's six people in the bar. Right. And they're all playing darts in the back room. and Nobody right. gives a shit. We just keep yelling out for shots. Hey, Steve. Set us some more shots. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we look to our left, and these two beautiful women walk in the bar. And we did the pick slide across. It went, yeah. <laughs> we literally stopped mid-song and went, hey, hot chicks. <laughs> God. And the six people in the bar all started laughing. And they looked at us like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so we finished our set. And then on break, we went down and... Talked to the only two pretty girls in the bar. And right. That's how my ex and I met. So, uh-huh. so that's uh, where that story came out of. And that's right. where my kids originate from. Right. And even right. though it's a new place now, it's now it's called The Creek. Every time I drive by there with the kids, I'm like, see that? Yeah. That's where you were conceived you wouldn't, <laughs> spiritually. You wouldn't right. be here. Right. That bar was never around. Right. If right. that building wasn't there, you would not exist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and of course, there are only 10 and 7, so they're like, what the hell are you yeah. talking about? I mean, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, I'll tell you when you're 18. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, shoot. Well, I was gonna say. Um, well, let's let's. Jay Delcoa, Jay Poole, I mean, Steve Gad. I mean, there's so much. Right? <laughs> Where do you want to go next? I mean, we could go anywhere. But, uh, but hit me with um, kind of what's happening now. The bands you're doing now. What the goal is. Uh, with the dirty yacht and scoundrels and, and what else is keeping you busy musically? Yeah. You kind of preempted me there, but the, um, so when Tate broke up, I started a band. Um, it happened to, uh, one of the resorts that the, the Tate had played at. the guy called me, um, 
not too long after Tate broke up, he said, hey, I need a band for the summer. I'm like, what do you mean for the summer? Yeah, he's what like, does that mean? He's like, every Friday and Saturday, we're going to have a band by the pool oh. at the resort. Oh. He, and the resort was the um, Wicopa Resort out of Fort McDowell. Uh-huh. He's like, I need you to, and he's like, is Tate available? I'm like, no, Tate is not available, but I can put something together if you want. He said, yeah. So I literally threw, I'm like, when do you want to start? He's like, next week. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> So I threw it together and um, <clears throat> more connections of other bands. I don't think you were here at the time, but there was the musicians band, the band that everybody went to see, the musicians went to see when they had a night off. There was this band called the Scones. And the Scones were amazing. They were fantastic. And they were fantastic not only because of the musicianship, but because of the song choices. They uh. They did things like Crowded House and like, they did stuff that nobody else in town was doing, and they didn't. A give little a, bit elevated, maybe. Right? They didn't right. give a fuck if you wanted to hear it or not. Like mm -hmm. they were, if you asked them to play "Sweet Home Alabama," they would have you thrown out of the bar. Hmm. Like, mm -hmm. so they were doing great. Um, the lead singer Martin was actually from England. They were doing a lot of English, like kind of stuff. So, um, but all the squeeze, mm. tempted by the fruit of another. Yeah. Um, they were doing all kinds of great tunes that were Stones, Beatles. Yeah. They would do, they did some Beatles stuff that would just knock your socks off. Maybe that's the <clears throat> band I was thinking about that had the residency at Rosie's. Yes. Okay. Yep. I, I yep. knew there was Absolutely. a band that was just crushing it and everyone, they yep. They, I mean, to, and to play at Rosie's, which in retrospect now, it's like, it's, it's an Irish pub, but they were there and they were crushing it. They were amazing. Yeah. They're absolutely fantastic. And they had broken up. Um, not too long ago, the, the two lead guys, Ike and Martin, had moved to um, Tahoe to explore those possibilities, which they're still doing fantastic. Um, so that broke up. So I picked up Jeff, the bass player in the Scones, and eventually later on down the line, Ronnie, the lead player from the Scones. So um, Tony King was the drummer for a little while until he ended up joining young country mm -hmm. and then we, we did another spinal tap thing and went through quite a few drummers after that mm -hmm. but um it's hard to match up to tony king so we uh tony's a threat man he's he's harder he's hard to even remotely try to replace so. i mean a harmony singing drummer yeah like what the come good, on man and a good one yeah a harmony singing good drummer <laughs> a great harmony singer and a great drummer you're like you will have gigs, my friend. Yeah. You know, you will be hired. Absolutely. You are hired. <laughs> Tony King, call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I still play with him quite a bit. So yeah, he's good. awesome. Um, but that's when Tate... Well, I'm sorry. Take that back. So look to finish off. Tate finished. So then we threw this band together. and um, For the summer residency. For the summer residency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the... <laughs> First night we played, somebody comes up like, you guys are great. What's the name of your band? And we all looked at each other and went, oh, shit. <laughs> we didn't even think of a name for the band. Uh, so for the entire summer, we called ourselves the Radisson Band. We're, we're Radisson. Like, nobody gives a shit. Like, <laughs> right. We're here every Friday and Saturday. We're right. not playing anywhere else. Like, right. We're the Radisson Band. Towards the end of the summer, we were all laying it. We used to just throw shit out. And like, what about this? No. We were laying around at the end of the summer with a bunch of the people that worked there. 
and the bartender especially passed us, overserved us that night. Uh, there was about ten of us sitting around and skinny dipping in the Radisson pool even at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, there may have been some uh, funny cigarettes passed around too. Uh, I don't, I don't remember those part. Jazz cigarettes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we're like, we got to have a name. We got to come up with a name. And my bass player at the time, Jeff Owens, who was an absolutely amazing technician, um, stands up out of nowhere <laughs> and for no reason does a 10-minute Christopher Walken impression. Oh, God. Yes. Good night, moon. He, <laughs> did, he does the whole thing. Repeat, like, and literally there's eight of us laying on the ground holding our sides because we're laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when it finally subsides and somebody stands up to get a beer, one of the girls stood up, the bartender stood up and was like, I'm going to go get his beers. She looks over her shoulder. She's like, just call yourself the Walkins. Oh. And we went, oh, okay. Huh. So that's what we went with. No kidding. Yeah. So we, we decided on the Walkins. That's funny. Which in retrospect, I'm not sure I would have done that again. It's such a pain in the ass to tell people, no. Walk-ins like Christopher Walken, not like walk-in walk freezer. In. Right, right. So like we're not walking into the bar. It's not a walk-in freezer. The right. walk-in. So that's funny. And there's a couple other bands around the the country that are called the walk-ins, like the walk-in freezers. So I got you. It's been chaos for a while, but I mean, at least it's not who's your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just both agree that I think you you. <laughs> You're tightening up your band name yeah, game, and I and I appreciate that. Slowly but surely better. <laughs> All the dirty yachting scoundrels is questionable too. I love right? that though. <laughs> I love that. So the Watkins, I mean, you're still doing. Are you doing public shows or mainly privates and corporates? We and- we went through a big span of. We had some great times playing public shows, bars, and casinos, and all that type of stuff. But um, we all got older, man. And then yeah. we, we all got kids now. I got. Two of the most amazing kids anybody will ever have. I've got the two best kids anybody's ever had. And, Damn. I, will, and I will fight anybody on <laughs> And I've heard some stories. I'm not trying to fight you, man. You're going to get that wrestling shit on me. But take your figure four headlock. I don't know what you're going to do. Some fucking WWE oh shit. Those stories have been passed around. Let me guess. You heard them from Ethan. <laughs> I'm not a fighter anymore. I'm a lover now. I love my kids. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but the, uh, yeah, we went from uh, we went from doing a lot of that type of stuff, and then we got into the the corporate and wedding yeah. thing, and that's obviously a lot more money. Yeah, um, and it just got to the point where we weren't interested in. It's funny, we've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like in the early days, the Who's Your Daddy days, all I cared about was partying, staying in the bars till two o'clock in the morning, and meeting meeting girls. Mm-hmm. Now at this point in my life, I'm like, I want to do a corporate gig where I'm done by ten, right? And I'm home I get by the eleven. Check. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm I in get, and out. I yeah, get I'm the out. big check, and I right. get to go home, sit on the couch, and turn on Ted Lasso. Right, right. <laughs> Drink a glass of wine while I'm sitting on the couch. Right. And sit there, you know, and tuck my kids into bed. So yeah. it's uh, it's come full circle, hundred percent. So yeah. we're still busy, man. We're still packed. We've got, we had more work than we we turned away a bunch of stuff in yeah. February, March, April. And then the new project, the the yacht rock band, um, dirty yacht and scoundrels, actually started way back in 2017, 2018 with some of my best friends in the world, um, Crystal and Sturgis Waters, 
who I know you, Crystal was just on the podcast yep. recently. Yeah. And Sturgis was at one point too. So Crystal and Sturgis. Crystal and Sturgis, fantastic. It's two, yeah. been some friends that I've known for so long. Yeah. Um, Matt Henderson. Yeah. Who used to be the lead guitar player in a band called Easton Ash. Who That's was right. A, who was a force in town here for quite a while. Yeah. Amazing guitar player and amazing harmony singer. Yep. Absolutely agreed. amazing harmony singer. Um, and then also Mike Berrieza, oh. who is my piano player in the Walkins, also a keyboard mm-hmm. player in the Walkins. Um, you know how keyboard players are hard to find. Good ones. Good ones. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Good keyboard players are hard to find. And yeah. when you finally find who actually has some sort of moxie and groove, yeah. Getting them to actually spend the time to find the correct patch. Oh yeah. Is tough to do also. Yeah. Mike is one of those guys that a tone guy. He shows up to the gig and he knows the song. And not only that, the yacht rock band especially, he shows up and we're like, Holy shit, that's the exact sound from yeah. the record. Yeah. And he I don't know how he does it. Finds more it. importantly, more importantly, I don't know how every other piano player in town doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like because every time we've had a fill-in or something, like everybody, they know the notes, mm-hmm. they play the song right, but it's not the right song. It's mm-hmm. not the right sound. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. So we got lucky when we kind of stole him away from another band. Um, he joined the Walkins band back in, I don't know, it's probably been 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's him and then Gary Sanchez, amazing drummer, has been in the scene for 25 years, plays with... Grew up in that kind of 90s scene, too. It was mm. one of the bigger bands, the Chadwicks, slash Metalhead, slash Rock mm. Lobster. Crazy. Um, who were all huge bands, part of the scene back in those days. And I'm thankful for them being here because they actually contributed to the success of the live music scene here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of bands that probably wouldn't have done as well if it wasn't for them exciting some people to go see live music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dean and Dave Miller, originally hmm. coming full circle. Wow. From the Who's Your Daddy days. Wow. Are now back in a band with me. Wow. And are. That's uh, got to be awesome. It's. I've. Over the years, we've all been in different bands over the years. And I've, I'm so glad that we kind of came home and came back together because they're two of my favorite people in the entire world. They're absolutely two of the best people I know and two fantastic musicians and two of the best harmony singers that mm. I know in town. So I've been so lucky to be a part of things that are bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I like to think that I've contributed quite a bit to, to to bringing these things together and making them happen and been a part of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's, it's incredible to sit back and look through the timeline of everything that's happened, the offshoots that mm-hmm. have happened from that I've been lucky to be a part of and been... I'm absolutely every day thanking my lucky stars that I, I get to, I meet the people that I do and I get mm-hmm. to be part of the scene because mm-hmm. um, it's good there's, people, there's something special about this town I yeah. think I think I think Phoenix is lucky to be there's still room here mm-hmm. there's still room it's not like in Which LA is crazy. there's not a, it's not oversaturated market yeah. where people are trying to there's work for people, everybody where people are playing paying to play you right. know like right. you want to play the whiskey you right, know, like, hey, or get hey, on this five band showcase. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, Give me a thousand dollars, and I'll let you play this showcase. Right? What? Right. That's not how this works. Um, I, I, I did, didn't. I don't oh, mean yeah. to cut you off, but I yeah. didn't. I didn't talk about the transition between 
the Waters and the Hen and Matt Henderson and what to these other mm. guys. So, mm. um, we started the Yacht Rock Band back in 2017 when Yacht Rock was a very unknown thing. It's uh, everywhere now, bro. I now see so everywhere. many bands coming through, playing the Van Buren, doing the thing. It's huge, and it should be. It, mm. And I've been trying to put together a yacht rock band. It was funny. I not long ago, maybe a little while ago, I was talking to Mel Brown on the phone, and he and I talked about, hey, I've been trying to put together a. It wasn't called yacht rock, but I've been trying to put together this type of band mm-hmm. to play this type of music mm-hmm. for probably ten years, fifteen years. I've been saying, I can't tell you how many times I pitched it to club owners and said, hey, check this song list out. Mm-hmm. If you did this and called it date night or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I had this envision of, hey, have a, have a nice dinner, have a glass of wine and check out the band playing mm-hmm. like... Yeah, like dinner theater. Ambrosia, like right. dinner theater. Like, I'm, right. like I've been trying to put together this type of band for probably 15 years. And we finally did it. And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And we'd only had probably two gigs. And this is back when it was The Waters and Matt Henderson Mm. and Mike currently, but then Tony King. Mm. And the bass player in the original lineup was Teddy DeKina Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. Young Country. Young Country, yeah. So it was, there was six singers in that band. It was, we had the harmonies were absolutely ludicrous. And we were just, had nailed down the song list, had just done Mm. a couple gigs. Mm. COVID came and shut it down. And then unfortunately, um, that took a couple of years, obviously. And in that time, people started playing with other people. Things got to go. Sturgis is now part of Vinyl Station. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt. JTM3. JTM3, yeah, exactly. So Tony, JTM, yeah. By the time it all came back together, there wasn't as much, we didn't have as much room for each other as we, mm-hmm. as we wanted to. So Mike and I, the keyboard player and I are, are kind of the only original members from the original lineup. Although Tony King has said, I'll fill in anytime mm-hmm. I'm available. Anytime Gary's not available, call me. Mm. Um, so now it's me and um, Mike still, but it's Gary from the, that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then it's Dean and Dave. Mm-hmm. And then it's Jay Poole. Mm-hmm. Now Jay Poole is the, that's another kind of segue we didn't talk about and I'm not I won't go back in too much into it but Jay Poole was the original guitar player in the walk-ins when we had the summer gig hmm. um, and I got introduced to him by Ethan mm-hmm. because Ethan had done some studio work on his album mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so when when I formed this other band when Tate broke up and I formed this other band and I was talking to Ethan I said hey I need a guitar player well, I did some studio work with this guy named Jay Poole hmm. the day you should call him he joined then of course that transitioned to him being part of Delcoa, and then right. at this point everybody knows Jay Pool. Yeah, Jay Pool's. I played with Jay Pool. He's in the. He does the uh, Wildflowers. He's savant. Yeah. He's just no he, chart, no. no charts, and great tone, great player. I don't know. He's one of those Berkeley kids. Oh so yeah. He went to Berkeley. He just mm-hmm. like he just right. Whatever. Right. So that's that's the current lineup and the and the. Yacht Rock Band is Dirty Yachtin' Scoundrels take off of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, love it. Um, and we're just, we played our second gig last month, but things are starting to pick up. we Good. got some corporate work coming up. And Good. April 20th. Come on. Handlebar Jays. Oh, my. April 20th. I know it's a country bar, but they love it. They love it. I band. love that. The Yacht Rock Band. I expect to see you there. If I'm in this state, I will be there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have uh, I have one uh, kind of final question for you. As someone who has started bands, uh, done duo stuff, corporate stuff, um, just been a working musician for a number of years, is there one lesson or one thing that you wish you knew when you started uh, that you learned over the years or a, a nugget of advice to a young singer-songwriter who's trying to get into this line of work? Is there anything... Share your wisdom, Todd. Don't oh, keep it all to yourself. Man, like how deep do we want to go? There's, I mean, there's. Do you want advice on drinking? Do you want advice on? <laughs> do you want advice on women? Do you want advice on relationships? Like, which category do you want to go to? I could write a book, man. I, I mean, you know, I think I think from a musician's uh, perspective, if you're, you know, if you could tell your younger musician self, hey, listen. I know you're not going to get this for a minute, but but consider this. Or here's something that you should tackle now because, you know, in the future it's going to be more complicated. I think it's kind of the same thing I would tell myself if I could go back to my school days. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, there's a reason you should study. There's a reason that you should pay attention. There's a reason you should learn. Um, I spent way too much time early in my career not caring as much about the musicianship as I did about the party. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's um, looking back now, I wish I would have paid way more attention to the actual musicianship of it, the underlaying, the harmonies, the mm-hmm. the diminished chords, like learning mm-hmm. all the cool things that you should have learned. If it's, if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something that you really, really want to do, Whatever it is you choose to do in life, and maybe this is true for everywhere in life, not just music. If you choose to do it, immerse yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Like, pay attention to the shit that nobody else hears. Like, mm. too often times we're driving down the road and we turn on the radio and we sing along at the top of our lungs and we, but you don't hear the really cool shit because you're getting, it's getting drowned out in life. And mm-hmm. in life, we get all that shit gets drowned out by kids or by friends or by jobs or whatever. Um, Take some time to have, take some time to, to pick something that you're absolutely in love with and study it and, mm-hmm. and figure it out because it's, I've been in love with music since I was old enough to remember hearing music. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember growing up with headphones on and listening to up until I was in my teens with headphones on listening to every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I got away from that and Mm -hmm. I went and it just turned into the party for me for a while. Um, And it shouldn't have. Now I'm back. I'm back with the headphones on going, holy fucking shit. This is amazing. Like, so you don't subscribe to the, to the approach. Like personally, I didn't study music. I thought that it would remove the mystery. And I thought if, if I knew too much, so weird that you said that. My dad said that exact thing. No shit. We were talking about earlier the conversation with my dad. My yeah. dad, I said, "Hey, why didn't you teach me this shit?" And he said, and one of the things he said, other than the second thing he said after he said, because um, my parents made me do it and I didn't appreciate it. He also right. said, he said also, I wanted you to discover it on your own because um, once you learn how it works, when you understand the structure and all that, he's like, it takes away from the magic. Yeah. 
He's like, I wanted you to kind of figure it out on your own. So yeah. that's so weird that you just said that. It's pretty amazing. Well, that, I mean, but that was a that was a conscious thing. So you don't necessarily subscribe to that. You say, if you want to, you know, dig in, dig in, learn the theory, learn no, no, no. all your chords. No, no, oh, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no theory. I'm not talking about theory. Oh, okay. I'm not talking about theory and chords and learning a pentatonic scale or anything like that. Right. I'm talking about like. If you want to have a band and you want like we were you and I were talking before we started this podcast, like Ambrosia, right? Biggest part of me. Right. You want to learn to play that song, then listen to it. Right. Like, because there's part like normally you would just hear Sunrise, there's a new sun arising in your eyes. But if you listen closely, there's like literally like all a, these other things. It's a happening. layer yeah. in your eyes. One guy's going right. in your eyes. Another guy's going like, Jeez. listen to it yeah. and actually understand how that that three part harmony is formed. Got and, you. And break it into it and make sure you get the timing more than anything. Right. Like, I think the biggest thing in music these days is that there's not enough space. Like, we would do this thing where we're like, hey, no, stop. Don't play there. Right. Like, there needs to be the. A little pause, a little breath. Like, there's got to be, instead of, right. Everybody feels like they have to always strum Sub the guitar. Divide. Like, yeah. no, stop that. Right. Like, part of the funk is. The space. Is the space. Yeah. Like, when, so what, the shit that isn't happening. Right. <laughs> right. That's where the cool shit's happening. You feel it. <laughs> right. You feel it. Right. I think Tony King calls them ghost notes or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, whatever. Right. I know when he's doing the drums, but like, you feel it. It should be there. But it ain't right. But that's the coolest part about don't it. Don't spackle right? the the whole shut. No, fuck. You know? Give people the space to feel because right. that's those spaces are the space where you feel it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't subscribe to like learn every aspect of music. Do okay. not do that. Okay, like, absolutely not. <laughs> don't waste your time. You're that's literally that. wasting your time that's unless funny. you're going to be a symphony right like first chair violinist. Fuck no, don't right. do that. Right. Get yourself a chord chart. Right. right. You want right. to learn some scales? Great. Yeah. YouTube shit all day. Right. Like, it's good to understand the underlying patterns and, and all that type of stuff. But no, man, don't kill the don't kill the love. Like, right. Don't don't kill the magic, the mystery. Right. Like, right. Sing along. Find the one. Find the stuff you love. Figure out why you love it. Right. Listen. Listen to why you love it. And then move from there. Love it. Yeah. Todd Miller. Appreciate you, bud. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for coming by. It's an honor. We hope to see you on April 20th. Yeah, please do. Handlebar Jays. Handlebar Jays. One of my favorite bars. 8 to 11. 8 to 11. Perfect. Come early and still be home in time to go to work the next day. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Todd. Thanks, man.